Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Days, not weeks, not months, days. That's all that separates us from the 2022 NFL Draft. So what do we know? Perhaps better said, what are we all just guessing will happen? Because let's be honest, no one really knows. But first, this dates an Arizona Cardinals history. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 556, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Pop quiz, MJ. April 25th. 2019. So three years ago, what happened? Was that the first round of the draft? Correct. That would have been Kyler Murray? Absolutely. Kyler Murray, on this date in 2019, Commissioner Roger Goodell announcing Kyler Murray the first overall selection of the Arizona Cardinals, and history as we know it has changed. This franchise is on the up and up with Kyler Murray as the QB. There's no doubt about it, and you know, I think everyone's going to look at how the season ended, but he was in the MVP conversation. You could see the growth from year one to year two to year three, and it's got to continue in year four. And, and it's the little things that he talks about. Obviously, he needs weapons. He needs protection. Um, but, yeah, that that was an interesting um, uh, day, uh, you know, going into the, uh, the – actually, that day of, you know, there's reports that Steve had still talked was talking to Quentin Williams in, in Bosa. But I think at the end of the day, uh, just based on hiring Cliff Kingsbury and the fact that they had a relationship and we know that this league is changing and nothing against Josh Rosen, but you'd like to have that dual threat. Now, again, he's got to stay healthy and everything else, but it, we can go back to the combine how fascinating everything was. Going into that week in Indianapolis is, okay, well, you're looking at two of the better defensive players on the board. Cardinals have their quarterback in Josh Rosen. We leave Indianapolis five days later. It's like, okay, well, there might be a chance that this team drafts a quarterback for the second straight year in the first round, and that's exactly what happened. This, though, we can say with certainty that there will not be a trade of Kyler Murray three years later. That was made crystal clear by general manager Steve Keim during his annual pre-draft press conference. Zero chance. So I think we can eliminate all that noise. Whether something pops up later, that's fine. It makes for good content, good conversation. It's just not going to happen. And I'm glad that, you know, Steve answered that because, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of speculation and, you know, What's going to happen on draft day? I think we go back to a year ago where Aaron Rodgers was on the trade block, allegedly. Um, There's a lot of, you know, all of a sudden teams are figuring out what are we going to do here and is is he going to go back there and everything else and obviously stay there and sign a contract. So, yeah, it's just when you look at it, I think everyone is anticipating um, that possibly on draft day they would ask for a trade. Now, obviously, Steve said zero chance. He actually, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, when they get through the draft and some of the offseason workouts, maybe they'll start focusing on that. Obviously, you work on this for over a year. And the good news is Kyler Murray was active on media, uh, social media, which is encouraging for me because once zero chance came out, all of a sudden the, the, the perception changed to where he is going to be your quarterback, not only for this year, but the, this, uh, the foreseeable future. Quoting General Manager Steve Kime, nothing has changed in terms of him talking about Kyler Murray being our long-term and short-term quarterback. You brought up Kyler Murray on social media. I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. Now, there is still, and I don't want to say it's a cloud, but there is still lingering, not doubts, but there is still this area of, hey, something needs to get done. I think it will get done sooner rather than later, but on the Cardinals' timetable, and that would be a contract extension. I was always in the belief that something would happen. It just wasn't going to happen in February. It was not going to happen in March. It's not going to happen here in April. I'd be surprised it happens in May, maybe June or July, but certainly 
some point before the start of the season, I do believe the Arizona Cardinals and quarterback Kyler Murray will come to an agreement on a contract extension. And then all of this noise, and there's been a lot of noise, some louder noise than other noise, but that all goes away. And it just became, we become prisoners in the moment. And we have to discuss it. We have to acknowledge it. But it's just part of the process because you are not going to force teams to do what they don't want to do and you're not going to force teams to do something on your own timetable. There is a process. As Kime said, you've got free agency, the draft, quote, then we will take a deep breath and sort of refocus. That's sort of the reason every other player that has been a third-year quarterback has had their contract extended in the summer or late summer. It's no different for us. I'll say this. Personally, I would like to see more, but they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, and hopefully you, you can get a long-term deal where all of a sudden he's got two years left and it becomes a six-year deal. But as I mentioned about the housing market, at some point you're going to have to pay the price. And so if it happens, you know, going into training camp or going into the season, you want you, – clearly once the season starts, you would hope that something is done unless parties can't come to an agreement, and then that's a different story. But we've, we've – Craig, you and I have covered it. Uh, Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew um, have all signed contract extensions during training camp. I, we've been in that press room, and it's it's it kind of brings some juice to the locker room knowing, hey, if you put the work in and you're part of the core, they're going to reward you. DeAndre Hopkins as well. And that was even a different kind of negotiation because he acted as his own agent. But that was announced during training camp. I'll go back because I know this has been repeated, but it's worth repeating again, Bergang. Over the past decade, here are the first-round quarterbacks who have signed long-term contracts before their fourth season. So where Kyler Murray is at. Those six quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. Only one, and that would be Tannehill, signed a contract on May or in May, by May. Everyone else, June or later. And in the case of Watson and Goff, September. So... You always talk about it. These things take time. It's great that Kyler Murray wants it done. And whenever the agent speaks, I'm sorry that I act that as Kyler Murray speaking. So don't tell me that, you know, oh, that's the agent. No, no, no. The agent works for the player. So anything that comes out of the agent's mouth or is written by the agent, it comes from the player. So this team is not going to feel any pressure to get anything done just because there's this one-page, single-spaced, all caps memorandum, if you will. Hey, we need this done. Good. Good for you. We got other things to worry about right now. We'll get to you back. We'll get back to you. And the Cardinals have been very consistent with that. You know, we, we I don't know the negotiation. I mean, there's there's reports out there that they, you know, they're not or they took the de- uh, deal off the table, and maybe that's because of all these other quarterbacks getting all this kind of money. Um, but a lot of those are veteran quarterbacks that have proven themselves for the most part. And Kyler's going into his fourth year. So, yeah, it's just, like I said, they've been consistent about focusing on free agency. Well, a- actually, after this season, they did a deep dive and tried to figure things out. Where do we go from here? How do you uh, stop the you know the downfall at the end of the year? So you do a self-evaluation. And, and you have an honor conversation. And then, obviously, Adrian Wilson and his staff, they put together grades. So that's the focus going into free agency. And the whole idea was to retain their own players, try to add a couple pieces that are depth, depth guys, you know, like a Will Hernandez, is he going to be the starter? And then, obviously, the focus is on the draft. And then you get to off-season workouts, and then everyone kind of goes away for about six weeks. And then that's when the focus should be on. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to wake up in July um, and get an email. I, I would assume that a lot of, you know, the only time these coaches and players get off is really after the second week in June until July. And so it doesn't mean it can't get done. But if you're the Cardinals and you want to have momentum going into the season, you would love to announce that in training camp. And now the next question with respects to Kyler Murray is, all right, the strength and conditioning program has begun. He's not here. Will he show up? Who knows? OTAs will begin shortly. And then the mandatory minicamp. Is that the first time we see Kyler Murray back here in the facility? Kingsbury asked about that late last week. Quote, I do expect him here at some point. End quote. We heard Kingsbury at the scouting combine mention that Kyler had not had a normal offseason. 
because uh, the protocols and not being able to be in the facility. While this is about as normal as you're going to get this summer, does Kyler Murray show up? I think it's a benefit to him. More than that, it's a benefit to his teammates that he show up and work out. Not so much right now, but when they are allowed on the football field with a football to work on football activity. I don't know anything, but I would think he'd be here. I mean, that's – yes, again, should he be here? We believe so, just based on, you know, obviously, you know, getting around your teammates, but it's only strength and condition. You can't have a football out there. You can't throw a football. The coaches can't be out there. So um, I'm not giving him a mulligan, but I understand what he – and he let – based on Ian Rappaport, he, him and the franchise were on the same page in that – possibly could have t- taken place two or three weeks ago. So, But I th- I think it's imperative that he's here for the OTAs and the mandatory uh, minicamp. We know he will have, talking about Kyler Murray, an eye on what happens here this week regarding Thursday, Friday, Saturday. First round, second round, and on through seven rounds of the 2022 NFL Draft. Speaking of which, Cardinal fans, Draft Party presented by Arizona Ford Dealers taking place on Thursday on the Great Lawn outside State Farm Stadium from 4 until 9. Admission is free. Parking is free. There will be a special post-draft fireworks show that will conclude the party following the completion of the first round. Yes, you got to wait a little while. The Cardinals on the clock at number 23. But this is the first time since the Kyler Murray draft in 2019 that the Cardinals have been able to do a draft party. So an opportunity, Bird Gang, to get together to celebrate whomever the Cardinals may select. Offensive player, defensive player. Guarantee you it's not going to be a special teams player. That's about all I know with respect to number 23. It's not going to be a specialist, special teams specialist. not going to be a kicker. It's not going to be a punter. It's not going to be a holder. And it's not going to be a long snapper. Outside of that, very It's not going to be a quarterback. No, won't be a quarterback. Uh, Fairly confident it will not be a running back. I'd be really surprised. Fairly confident it's not going to be a tight end. I'd be surprised. Fairly confident – and the world might melt, at least in the state of Arizona, if it is an inside linebacker. So I think we can rule that position out. Other than that, wow. this team can go a number of different directions. Man, I couldn't agree more with you. And we'll obviously have a lot of time to you know, chew on what the needs are just based on what they did in doing free agency. Before we get into some of the uh, parts of the show, um, you threw a pop quiz at me um, about Kyler Murray. Do you know yesterday was 18 years that Larry Fitzgerald was That's drafted? That's right, 2004. And do you know over the weekend that Pat Tillman and Jake Plummer were drafted? Because, what was it, Larry Fitzgerald was drafted the day before or the day of? That weekend. That weekend. Pat had passed away on a Friday. I think the draft was on Saturday and Sunday? Yes. Yeah. But it does ring a bell. It's This is – the end of April, this the last weekend, if you will, and now I know it gets a little bit pushed back, but this is certainly a time in Arizona Cardinals history and throughout the National Football League, but you're talking about the drafting of Larry Fitzgerald. How about the drafting of Carlos Dansby, Darnell Dockett, Antonio Smith, that draft class that Dennis Green had his fingerprints all on that helped get the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. One of the best. So... This is, as General Manager Steve Kime always says, the draft is the lifeblood of your organization. And now we wait and see. By the way, this weekend, patch run. How'd it go? Well, I didn't actually do it this year. Um, so, But I signed up, and obviously the donation. But this is the first year I missed it. I, I had some things I needed to do on Saturday. So um, I on Saturday afternoon, wasn't too bad. Riley and I went out and... We walked 2.1 mile, and then yesterday I went down the Tempe Town Lake. He likes to go down there and look at the seagulls and the pigeons, and he eye he, candy. He he yeah, eye candy. He can run loose. So, but Craig, I can tell you, um, I think it's one of the best events of the entire season. I know people will talk about the Phoenix Open, and that's more um, who you know, it's more who's there, and people like to be seen. Uh, when Pat passed away, it just brought a community together, uh, and. When ASU got involved in this, I it was just you just and again you go there and you're going to run or walk 4.2 miles and you're seeing people that are in the military that maybe only have one limb, you're seeing older people walking, you're seeing young kids that 
their father told them about Pat Tillman. So I think it's one of the best events, and it hasn't happened in the last two years. And you could just see the the buzz in the community. Um, but I, I was following it on Twitter. I watched some of the shows in the morning when they were at certain sites. Some of the TV stations were wearing GoPros, which is, you know, a couple of years ago when you think about it. And and they really do a nice job when it comes to the corral. If you're a guy that's fast, you're going to get to be up front. If you're someone that's going to walk and maybe a, a fast walk. But uh, I really think it's one of the – it's one of the um, – pillars of our community every year now with Pat's run and you know I can't say enough about uh, Pat Tillman great weather too that always Saturday. helps it was gorgeous and as you said I'll echo it uh, great to see everyone out and about especially everyone you know donning either ASU gear or Cardinals gear but a big event that brings everyone together and you can't say this day and age it's hard to say that about a lot of things yeah, and, and again, I, I think they all – some may not even have known Pat Tillman, but when you hear the story, hey, why not? Saturday morning, knock it out. They, they, they do a great job. They shut the roads down. Um, you, you can go at your own pace. Now, I want to I tell this story because um, when Pat – he had gotten a contract offer three years, $9 million by the Rams. I want to say Mike March could have been there. I don't know. Or Larry Marmee, um, who no, Larry Marmee was he was here with the Cardinals. He was a secondary coach under Vince Tobin and Dave McGinnis. So McGinnis, um, I think McGinnis took over at that point. So Pat turned it down, and a lot of people were like, "Why are you turning that money down?" So Pat comes to the facility and he says he wants to talk to the head coach. So he goes in there, and that's when he informed McGinnis that him and Kevin were going to go into the uh, the Army as a Ranger. And McGinnis is like, wow. And then, just to make a long story short, so McGinnis says, how do you want me to tell the media? He says, I don't give a F. And so so Paul Jensen was the uh, director of, of the media here. Darren, myself, and Ken Summers were here. So Jensen said McGinnis is coming down. We went in that back room where Emmett Smith had his press conference. <laughs> yeah, which is now a storage locker. <laughs> and so we're all sitting there, and Mac says, Pat is an enlisted into the Army. He's going to be a Ranger. And Darren's jaw dropped. I was shocked. So really, we were the first three people, and then obviously it got out. But it was fascinating to, to have McGinnis tell us a story. And – I listened to – I've talked to Dave McGinnis over the years, and there was another thing that happened. Cardinals were playing in Seattle. Pat was there with his family. I think Bob Ferguson was a GM, and he wanted to bring him in as a special teams player slash linebacker safety. But he also had one other tour of duty. So he, he goes to McGinnis' suite on the Saturday night, brings Marie, their brother, and some of their friends. I think it was Kevin and – they go up there and they just, you know, talked about him drafting him. Why did you draft me? And Pat said, the only reason you drafted me, you needed a new stadium. I'm from ASU and you want to put fannies in the seats. Because he was a seventh-round pick, but they worked him out. That's a story for another day. But so they have they have a good uh, meeting. So Pat goes back to his his hotel and he texts Mac. He said, you know, there's a Starbucks across the hotel. The Cardinals actually, Mr. Bidwell paid for the room. And he wanted tickets, and Mr. Bidwell said, whatever he needs, we will give him. So he texts Mac that after he left. He said, there's a Starbucks across from the hotel. Meet me there in the morning. So Mac meets him there. It's, just, it's him and Pat. And Mac said, do you want to come into the locker room? Mac said initially, would you dress the team? He said, no, this isn't about me. But once they got through breakfast and the coffee, Pat said, I want to go in the locker room. So a couple hours go by. Everyone was stunned when he walked in that locker room. Paul Jensen, I, I was sitting out, outside the locker room. That locker room did not open in a normal time. They wanted to make sure they got him out of there before the media came in there. And I'm telling you, Craig, I was doing sidelines. I was right there, and I didn't see him, but I saw that door close. But Paul Jensen held it above. But he was in that locker room before that game against the Seahawks. Pat didn't do anything or didn't do that for publicity or anything else. He did it for himself. He did it for his family. And there were a number of attempts to try to get him to tell his story. And 
just would never go there because he didn't, as you said, did not want to make it about himself. No, and just why we're on this, because it's coming off Pat's run, and we have plenty of time, obviously, to talk about the draft. But So Max says they go to his ASU Pro Day. It's him and Larry Marmee. And, you know, Pat, so they decided to bring Pat over to another field because he's going from linebacker to safety. And he said the first 13 to 14 minutes, the guy's all over the ground. He's, he, he could see he's not turning his hips. And so, so Max said, well, we, we've seen enough. We, you know, maybe he's more of a special teams player. He goes, I'm just warming up. We're not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden he started to show his upside. And, you know, he did come in here. Um, he actually came in here on his bike, and that's when he walked in and McGinn- asked for McGinnis, and, and that's when he said, hey, I know why you drafted me. I want to play, and I, I need your help. And so he, he gave him things to do to be better, and he worked on it. He actually started, but McGinnis benched him during the year. He was only playing on third down. They took him off the field on first and second down because he was struggling. Pat went to him and said, you tell me exactly what I need to do and he ended up starting again that season. So McGinnis had a great relationship, but he he, was, he said his workout, we were just like, oh, my God. We knew what he did in college. He was linebacker. Was he the Pac-12 defensive player yeah. of the year? Uh, he was all over the field, I mean, but it's a little bit different. But, you know, just the fact that it wasn't easy for him, but he challenged himself, and, and McGinnis and everyone was in his corner. I mean, I could tell you there was times him and Larry Marmee would F each other and, and, and they would kick him off the field. I mean, he was so passionate. The fact that he rode his bike here, and I could tell you this, usually when uh, maybe when I started first covering a team, they had like Sporting News, Sports Illustrated, World News. He would read the news versus the sports, and it never really collected, and it never really dawned on me, but he was a deep thinker, and, and obviously 9-11 affected him. He, Mac told me the next day in the Arizona Republic, they had a uh, a flag, picture of a flag, the entire page. Pat cut it out, and he put it in the defense's room, um, and I don't know how long it st- stayed there, but every day. And he said when he, when McGinnis addressed the team that day because they were supposed to go to Washington, he said he looked at Pat, and he just kept staring at the TV. So it meant a lot. I mean, that really affected him. And it's a big reason why the move to save Pat's locker here at the facility and again if you missed it it was the subjects one of the subjects of last year's folktales you go to azcardinals.com or the arizona cardinals official youtube channel and check it out because our executive producer jim omohundro played a large role in making sure pat tillman's locker remained and was preserved because the facility was undergoing some renovation and all of a sudden they were getting to Pat's locker and Ohms runs in and said, hold on, not that one. And they were able to save it and now it's on display for every single Arizona Cardinals player, new, old, to walk by before they step foot on that practice field. And, you know, because of COVID, we haven't been down there, but we got a chance to be down there last week. First time I've seen a locker in, in two years. It's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you talk about 2019, that draft. That's the last draft that was quote-unquote normal. We talk about the Cardinals and the draft party at State Farm Stadium coming up on Thursday on the Great Lawn outside the stadium from 4 until 9 o'clock. So, hey, if you've been stir-crazy watching the draft the last couple of seasons, get out. State Farm Stadium on Thursday. And then on Saturday as well, the Draft Weekend Country Concert featuring Ryan Hurd, Lanco, and Callista Clark on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. That's Saturday, April 30th. Go to sportsmansparkaz.com for more information. And the good news is the last time it was out there, the Cardinals had the first pick in the draft, and so I'm assuming a lot of people left. Get there early. It's great for families and kids. They're going to have different games. Obviously, you're going to be able to watch the draft, mingle with Cardinal fans, season ticket holders. So, um, they're picking 23, uh, but again, get there early. And, you know, the last couple of years they picked first. It wasn't a party the last couple of years, 8 and 16, but now they're picking 23, and that means they made the playoffs a year ago. Cardinals covered two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's discuss number 23 with respects to Kyler Murray. We heard general manager Steve Kimes say Kyler's got a wish list with respect to the draft. Wouldn't disclose that wish list would be but let's kind of speculate as far as what will help Kyler not all right not so much what Kyler wants because I'm sure it's you know hey 
I need a wide receiver. But what will help Kyler Murray be a better quarterback? How about that be our focus here as far as looking ahead to what Kyler Murray might want, but in respects to that makes him a better quarterback? I think there's two scenarios here. Give him another weapon. All of a sudden, you got you know four guys you can roll out there. If you want to run four wide, you got some depth. And the other is uh, they have to improve the interior of the offensive line. And yes, they signed Will Hernandez. Uh, we know that he has a relationship with Sean Coogler. At the end of the day, Coogler is going to play the best five guys. Justin Pugh's on the final year of his contract. Uh, Hump's on the final year. I would assume that's going to take care of itself. Beecham's on the final year of his contract. You got Rodney Hudson there. So you got some guys that are coming up, and we talked about, you know, knowing possibly they can lose Christian Kirk. They, they draft Rondell Moore, even though Asante Samuel's on the board. It could have gone a different way. So that's just the, how the draft flows. So, I mean, you look at it on paper, and to me, playing against the Rams, playing in this division, you have to protect the quarterback. He cannot be running for his life or getting gun-shy like what, what happened in the Rams game. So uh, if I had a guess um, – now, it doesn't mean they won't – obviously, they need a pass rusher. But I would think if you're going to go offense at 23, I don't know what you – I would think wide receiver and interior offensive line would be my two uh, choices right now. And what you said with respects to how this division looks and the talents across the NFC West and what we saw a year ago, Kyler Murray has the ability, has the athleticism, has the speed – to elude the outside rush nine times out of ten. It's when that rush comes up the middle, gets in his face, he backpedals. And then all of a sudden what would have been or should be a two- or three-yard loss becomes a 15-yard loss because he gets into those bad habits of backpedaling, trying to outmaneuver an Aaron Donald, if you will. No quarterback likes that interior push up the middle. You form that upside-down U so you can stand in that pocket more time to look, scan the field, and find your target, whether that's a wide receiver, tight end, or running back. So it's not a sexy pick, and it's not going to get a lot of buzz, but an interior offensive lineman, whomever that may be, a center that can play guard, a guard that perhaps forecasts to be a future long-term position at center, and even a tackle that could play inside. I do think what would make Kyler Murray a better quarterback, would be an offensive lineman. Now, he might want a wide receiver because as a quarterback, oh, I need someone to throw to. And we've talked about that because you're looking at Kyler Murray. DeAndre Hopkins will be 30 at the season's beginning. He's got two more years left on his deal. He's not getting any younger. You've got Kyler Murray. Who's his favorite target? Who's his target that he can grow with and really be the one-two punch of this offense? So, the proper move offensive line. But the wish list, I'm guessing, without knowing, Kyler would tell Steve Kime, I need a wide receiver. A deep play threat on the outside, maybe someone on the inside, but you do have Rondell Moore. I would think someone who's taller than six feet who could play opposite DeAndre Hopkins would be Kyler Murray's wish list. Now, that becomes what kind of run at wide receiver? I mean, I think we kind of know who the five or six guys are, and you're starting to see Christian Watson possibly be a late pick to Kansas City or even the Packers, which pick ahead of the Cardinals, so um, or behind them, excuse me. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just think no, the Packers pick at 22, to, right? And that right, uh, Patriots. Yeah, so so Christian Watson's his name is being mentioned. Bruce Pickens. I don't know if he's going to be a first round. Obviously, Burks, you throw in the two Ohio State guys. You throw in Dotson from Penn State. Uh, obviously, you throw in Jameis, uh, Jameson uh, Williams from uh, Alabama. So, to me, what's the run on the on the wide receivers, okay? And there, this is going to be a heavy draft for tackles. We're, we're likely going to see a lot of de- defensive linemen, edge rushers, offensive tackles going the first probably five to ten picks unless somebody moves up for a quarterback or makes a pick there. So, and I'm not going to get into they're going to get the six best receiver. Listen, Devontae Adams was a second round pick. You look at Anquan Bolden; he was a second round pick. It's just 
it's hard to so to say what and and, and go to, and I think what we've been talking about quickly here is you you want a guy that has size to add to that position. What we've seen over the past couple of years, if you have a wide receiver drafted in the first round, top fifteen picks, there's better. They've had more success than what wide receivers in those spots have had over the years. And if you don't get that wide receiver in the top 15 picks, then the talent has shown and history has shown that you can find that guy, Justin Jefferson, in the second, third round. Cooper Cup, not a first-round draft pick. Top 10 talent? Yeah, more times than not, you're going to be successful because you have the talent. But if you're picking at number 23, to your point, Who's on the board? Does someone fall? Does someone slip? Maybe a Jamison Williams, who does perhaps have a first-round grade by the Arizona Cardinals. How many times have we heard it, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kuyper Jr., how teams view these draft prospects is going to vary, and vary greatly. A top-10 pick or a top-10 player on one team's board could be someone that another team has in the 30s or 40s. That's why there's so much unknown going into what's going to happen on Thursday. I have a hard time thinking he's going to slide. The Jets pick at four and ten. They probably go heavy with uh, you know an offensive lineman, even though they've drafted Becton. Um, and the Jets have number ten overall. So I don't. And then you got the Saints. You got to get some weapons for Jameis Winston. Um, so I, I again, and the reports are he's ahead of schedule. And and based on videos. Um, you know, he's coming off, obviously, an ACL happened in the uh, championship game. So he's made a guy that can maybe start season on PUP, misses the first six weeks. But, again, you're drafting him for the four, four, four or five years down the road. It's just not for, you know, two months of the season. I just don't think he's going to drop. If, if he was healthy, he'd be probably the first or second wide receiver off the board. Now let me throw this wrinkle in you as we talk about history. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, talking all things 22 22- 2022 NFL draft. The history. Steve Kime going into his 10th draft as general manager. He has never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. In fact, the most recent wide receiver selected by the Cardinals in the first round, Michael Floyd. So Steve Kime does not have a history of drafting wide receivers in the first round. Does that mean anything? I, I, I think sometimes it depends on how the board falls. But do you roll the dice on a wide receiver, get that fifth-year option, or someone that's more known and part of that foundation, i.e. offensive line? Well, the thing is when you have Larry Fitzgerald on roster, you're not going <laughs> to – because they, they paired him up with Michael Floyd. And Listen, the Cardinals have missed on receivers. And right now you can make the case Andy Isabella, Chad Williams, um, J.J. Nelson flashed. I mean uh, – I. There's other guys, and now Christian Kirk, and hopefully Rondell Moore pan out. Um, and then you look at Akeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. So I, I just think if going into this fourth year, and, and I want to be consistent here because I'm intrigued with a couple of uh, these guards. Um, and I'm not saying that Hernandez is not going to be the starter, but uh, I'm looking at the future. But this team is trying to win now. So – I would think getting Kyler another weapon, and hopefully you can get a guard or a tackle in the second or third round. Now, one position we haven't talked about is edge rusher. Does somebody drop there? That is the biggest need, if you will, that this team has. In fact, for me, it's a glaring large need at edge rusher because you have Marcus Golden and no one else to rush the quarterback right now. And that's nothing against Devon Kennard, Victor Dumukeji, or Dennis Gardeck. Those names, just they're not quite there yet. They do well in certain circumstances, but they're not edge rushers. Maybe Victor becomes one, but he's going into year two. Dennis Gardeck caught lightning in the bottle. I don't think it's too much to ask for him to do what he did a couple of years ago. So edge rusher, yeah, that would, that would fill a need, but you don't want to reach – for someone, or draft, yes, need plays a factor, but you don't want to say, all right, no matter who's on the board, when our, when we are on the clock, it's the next edge rusher. You, you, you can't draft like that because then you let a wide receiver go by or a defensive tackle go by that perhaps has more upside, and all of a sudden you've reached 
for the seventh best edge rusher and you let go the number one defensive tackle? Well, if I recall, uh, the Cardinals, when they drafted Calvin Pace, I think he was the next best pass rusher. Now, Steve did mention, based on what they did in free agency, based on retaining their own players, he did mention, and normally they say, we're sticking to our board, but I think sometimes when you build your board, yes, there's a grade next to it, but i got to think if it's a need, maybe that guy gets an extra number, you know, like a instead of 85.2 maybe gets 85.7 now again you got to stick to your your film but i agree with you it's it's just that if you draft an edge rusher he's going to be a plug and play guy from day one um if you draft a receiver he's a plug and play guy can you i'm not fixated on can you go three consecutive years on defense i mean clearly their needs right now are edge rusher d-line corner and then on the other side wide receiver and then interior lineman. So there are more needs on the defensive side of the ball at the moment than there are on the offense. But side. I, I think the offense needs another weapon. That doesn't mean it can't happen in the second or third round. So and and you know, I don't know if there's twenty edge rushers, but you hear how deep that position is and we're gonna see these guys come off the board. I think Peter King today had him taking the young man from Florida State, the defensive end, Johnson, Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. Yes, uh, and again, I don't even know if he's going to be there. So, we'll hit, I mean, and again, it's a mock draft, and he's doing it three to four days before. I'll tell you this, Craig. Um, usually, you know, after we got back from the combine, we kind of had had an idea it was going to be Kyler Murray and or Bosa. I don't never thought Quentin Williams would be the first pick in the draft, and he, I mean, even Aaron Donald wasn't. This draft is going to be so unpredictable, and you got eight teams that who have two picks in the first round, and you have eight teams that don't have a pick in the first round. I can't – I mean, there's not a clear-cut guy. I, you can make a case for – I uh, Even at number one overall. Yeah, there's not – I mean, normally we know. Now, again, Cardinals wait until the day of. Obviously, they've focused on Kyler Murray. But in years past, you kind of had an idea. And the reason why is – now, I'll go back to the Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. That came out of left field with John Dorsey. Baker Mayfield, yeah, it was not until the day of, maybe the morning of, yes. and all of a sudden people, you started hearing reports, Baker Mayfield, don't be surprised about Baker Mayfield. And it's like, Baker Mayfield? And what did the Cleveland Browns do? They drafted Baker Mayfield. Yeah, because, you know, over the years, I mean, Mario Williams versus Reggie Bush, I mean, you, you kind of have an idea. And this just this draft class, there's clearly going to be all pro players. Hopefully there's some fall Hall of Famers. But th- this is a meat and potatoes draft. It's like there's no cl- clear-cut number one pick. But you could pick maybe the same guy at 5 to 10 to 15. And when you get to 25 to 45, it depends what you like. It's like what kind of ice cream you like. I mean, I like this tall guy. I like this guy. He can rush the passer. So I just think it's going to be so unpredictable. And when you have teams that have multiple picks in a round, in you know Kansas City, they got 12 picks. They got 29 and 30. Do they need 12 players? How many of those guys will make the roster? And they'll probably want to go up and replace Tyreek Hill. And I think that could be a viable option for the Arizona Cardinals. It's only I, maybe I don't know if they want to keep 29 or 30. I think it'd be expensive to move up. But hey, it sounds like you know teams are going to try to move up. Cardinals could offer a future one if they feel like there's a player out there. Um, the thing is, you want to get a guy in the first round that is going to contribute. Second round, maybe more of a special teams player. Third round depth. And if they draft an interior offensive line, I think he's he'll get a chance to compete in training camp. And then you start looking at the future. If they draft a wide receiver, he's going to get a chance to compete. You, you, you draft an edge rusher, he's going to get a chance to compete right away. You draft a corner, that's great. But you, you also have Byron Murphy. Um, you have Marco Wilson, you have Gladney, and hopefully Robert Alford. So is that guy going to play right away? Now you're looking at the future. Murphy's going to be up in a couple of years. Marco Wilson's on a rookie deal. Alford's getting old, you know a little bit older. So to me, there's certain positions that, you know, I don't know if corner, now we've been focusing on it. Do you take a corner to there? Does that help you as a, 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 you don't have that weapon on offense? Or you take a corner and you think this guy's got a bright future, and, he, and you know, do the Cardinals have a number one corner on the roster? You can make a case maybe two, two and a. Um, so, do you take a corner there where he may not see the field initially? 
they over the last couple of years, it took Isaiah Simmons at least eight games. Zayvon Collins obviously didn't get the snaps that everyone was hoping for. And give credit to Jordan Hicks because he definitely beat him out, and he was the better player. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You touched on the possibility of a trade, whether that's moving up, how far can you move up based on the draft capital that you have, which is not a lot. Do you fall back a couple of spots? That's always that's always the game within the game, and things happen very, very quickly. Steve Kahn talked about the ability to move up, the potential to move up. Quote, if there's a guy that we really like, we'll be aggressive and go get him. If not, there's potential to trade back and get additional picks. Now, this team does not have a fourth-round pick, does not have a fifth-round pick. You're picking 55 overall, which is round two, and 87 overall. That is round three. And then after that pick at 87, the Cardinals are not on the clock until round six at number 201. That is a long time to wait. Is that 77 picks in between? According to my oh, you're, doing, you're asking me to do math no, on the fly here. I, I, that I, is I believe, unfair. I believe. It's over 100 picks. <laughs> How about that? Okay. It's over 100 draft picks. Okay. So, 100 plus. Okay, wow. Okay, so if you want to move up, it, you may have to offer a number one next year. And I don't know if I'm in favor of that. And you're going to have to flip ones this year. It's not yes. like you're going to take a team. Now, now there's it's a possibility Kansas City can trade out of there, but I don't think they will because you want to get Patrick Mahomes more weapons. You want to get, um, you know, the, the coordinator, um, Spagnolo. You want to get more players, you know. So it would be interesting, but it's – I'm glad I don't have to make that decision because, you know, you want to, you want guys to contribute even though they're rookies and we know how long it takes. Um, I think there's a couple positions you can plug and play. Uh, obviously, running back, they're not going to take a running back. I think edge rusher, hey, you play 35 snaps a game, there's a quarterback, learn your technique. Um, and I think you can and, – and we know the inside linebacker is not as easy to walk in and play from day one. So I think there's certain positions – um, but I definitely think if you draft a guy in the first round, um, hopefully he can contribute and become a starter at some point. Kime has, as we talk about history, you know, how much can we learn from history? There's that old adage, you know, you learn from past mistakes so history doesn't repeat itself. Steve Kime has made at least one draft day trade in seven of his nine drafts. Did not have a trade up or down in 2020 or 2016. But his most recent trade up in the first round was the Josh Rosen. And that took to go from 15 to 10. So you're moving up five spots. So you're flipping. You flipped plus a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Now the Cardinals could move up and give X team number 87 overall this year. That's a third-round pick. And maybe a future fourth or fifth or package a sixth this year or one of your three seventh, uh, seven-round picks. So there's that possibility. I just think it's more likely because of the cost, and we know Steve Kime likes, to use your terminology, more bites at the apple. You have eight picks. If you can gain an extra fourth or fifth, another third, more bites at the apple, more opportunity to get that wide receiver, to get that edge rusher, build up the offensive line, build up the defensive line, I would prefer – this team to, if it's going to move out of number 23, to trade down. How long, how far, I don't know, but to acquire additional picks, to gain additional players to potentially help this team at certain areas on the field, offense or defense. Yeah, and, and, and Ozzie Newsom was a, he was a, he was one of the best in the business, and now it's Eric Costa. He's a general manager there, and you know, over the years, they've, they kind of looked at how many draft picks they've had uh, versus the Browns in over a five- or six-year period. They had 14 more picks. So, you, you, obviously, it's draft capital versus just, you know, taking a flyer on a guy. And, again, um, you know, if you only have eight picks, you got to hope five make the roster. I mean, obviously, when you get to the seventh round, those guys, you know, they're going to be practice squad guys, and then you're going to sign some street-free agents. But, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. Now, what I believe what happens is – Teams will start calling around the day of, and it sounds like teams are already checking in. Hey, if, you know, if, are you available, open for business? But I would think once we get past, you know, 
A, the edge rushers, um, the receivers. We get to 2021. The Cardinals will have four or five names on, on, you know, based on position with a little bit of need or how they project the player as the best available player at that position. So at that point, now all of a sudden you, you figure, okay, we if you have four names written down after the Patriots make the pick up 21, somebody's going to be on the board. Now, when you get to, when you're on the clock, is do you still have two or three guys there because you don't want to go down too far? You don't want to miss out, and then you're playing catch up. So it's it's fascinating, and obviously you got the trade chart. Um, uh, but uh, you would think conversations would take place. I I believe that conversation um, with was was the Broncos or the Raiders for Josh Rosen when they traded uh, the fifteen to ten. It was with the yes, it was with the Raiders. Okay, so I got to think that conversation took place earlier in the day. Now, um, there was a couple of years ago where uh, the Cardinals had two picks in the first round, seventeen and eighteen, and I think the morning of the Saints wanted Jonathan Sullivan, and so the Cardinals moved down. I think it to take Calvin Pace and Brian Johnson, but that deal was discussed in the morning based on a guy being on the board. And that was obviously reported. So it's interesting. I, I just think you got to have your pool of players and then, you know, don't go down too far. And, again, they know more than I do. They have charts. They have a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that have been in the war room. So um, they'll be prepared either way. Keep this in mind if you're looking to move up because I don't think this team can move up too much as far as 23 to 18. I don't think you're going to get in the top 15. But the five picks – before the Cardinals at number 23, Eagles, Saints, Steelers, Patriots, and Packers. If you're concerned about the Packers and them trying to figure out, all right, we need to fill the void of Devontae Adams, keep Aaron Rodgers happy, well, then you need to get to 21. You need to get ahead of the Packers and pick up the phone and call New England and say, hey, we need to move up two spots. Now, to your point, if you got a number of players, a handful, then you just wait and you've got four or five names, you're like, okay, who's available? Let's take that guy. And then if you get that phone call and you say, hey, we got four or five guys we really like at 23, but we can drop down to number 26, 27, and still get one of our players that we really, really like, then you might be able to pick up a fourth or a fifth round pick, hopefully this year, not in the future. And this is, you know, obviously it's, it won't be announced until the combine next year, but the, the projecting the Cardinals get a third-round pick possibly for Christian Kirk, and I want to say a six and a seven. I don't know where the Chandler Jones, the formula. The Cardinals obviously didn't sign a ton of free agents, so that will help the formula where, where it kind of crosses each other out. So they could offer a third-round pick next year. Right now they would have two on paper, and you can trade the compensatory. Yes. Now you may have to offer your pick initially, and then teams can work it out because – you know, it's different having a top 32 pick in the third round versus a compensatory pick, which is would be 33 after. So, um, yeah, they, they they'll have some they'll have some wiggle room there if you want to offer a future pick. Uh, but I think if you can move down and try to get a, an extra four or late three, now all of a sudden you may have four picks, Craig, in the top 100. Right now they only have three. 23, 55, and 87 are the picks in the first three rounds for the Arizona Cardinals. And again, that number 23 pick, you want to be out with your fellow Cardinal fans. The draft party presented by Arizona Ford Dealers coming up on Thursday, April 28th on the Great Lawn outside State Farm Stadium from 4 until 9. Admission and parking are both free. Go to azcardinals.com for more information. So over the weekend, uh, Chief General Manager Bill Veach said that his team had 16 to 18 players with first-round grades. Cardinals, 26. Kyle mentioned they had 26, 27 players with a first-round grade of 85 and above. And, again, we don't know how they grade these players, but there are first-round grades on 26, 27. Craig, you're, you're telling me there's not 32 first-round <laughs> grades? I mean, we've got 300 players. These guys – I can is, tell you there's not quarterbacks worthy of a first-round okay. pick this year, but someone's going to hear their name called in the top ten. I'm just shocked on this. I mean, all those great players that are in this draft. Now, I say great. It's not – can't miss guy. But th there's there's going to be good players. Well, we're just going to have to wait for three years. So, 
he said that he has 16-18 with first-round guys, and it's likely they'll be off the board when the Chiefs are on the clock. They have 29-30. and 30. He said the odds are maybe one of those guys falling isn't great. They also have 50-62, and 62, um, he said, of their talent. He said, we look at the value from 30-60, to 60, it is good. He said they were able to get Nick Bolton last year and Creed Humphrey last year, and that was value to them. So the Chiefs, they got 12 picks. Those 12 guys are not going to make the roster. The other thing to keep in mind as we discuss the 2022 NFL draft, specifically this week, where we are right now here on this Monday, April 25th, whatever gets reported, whatever gets said, don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, as, as people say, it's the lying season yeah. at this point. So well, what happens is, and I'm sure, I'm assuming these teams have set their board and they go back and look at it a hundred times and go back and watch the film. Just you know, you're under the microscope. I listened to Mel Kuyper over the weekend. Um, I think he's still going with Aided Hutchinson, but he said, "I don't know which team's going to take a quarterback. Carolina. Um, I mean, does Carolina try to move around? Is it does Pittsburgh take a quarterback because they only have Trubisky uh, under contract for one year?" Uh, again, this is going to be very unpredictable, this this draft. So, uh, and again, at the end of the day, you know, scouts, they like to get their name out there. They're not making the picks. They turn in the reports. They're involved in the process. But at the end of the day, there's only X amount of ple- uh, guys in that um, draft war room. And then and when they're in between picks, they'll go down and talk to the scouts again. They'll talk to the coach. What'd you like in this guy? Tell me. Show me the film. And then when the next pick comes up, they got more intel there. So, um, and the problem with mock drafts is they're not making the picks on on drafting. It's I, I think it's a great for content, know, content chatter, and, and there's a lot of qualified people out there that have good credentials, but the best only get five to seven right. And when I say right, is you got to get the the team and the pick right. You may, like for us, we, we may have 25 of the 32 uh, first-round picks, but I guarantee you we don't have them in the same order. And, and these people study it. Mel Kuyper's working the phones. Um, and, and usually some guys will only put out one draft every year, one draft. And then you'll have, like, Sam Farmer from the Los Angeles Times, he's doing a draft today with just beat writers. And that's fascinating because you would think they know. At the end of the day, it's difficult to, to, to predict, and that's the unknown about the draft. I, I'm, I th- I'm ready to buckle my seatbelt, and it's going to be fascinating what happens in the top 10 to top 15. How many trades do we see? How, how many guys uh, pass rushers? So, and again, um, you, you were not going to have a quarterback picked and uh, selected, and you wouldn't think in the top five. So it changes everything about the draft process. It is the great unknown the NFL drafts and more so than any other year perhaps 2022 not knowing what to expect but it's going to make for great theater great television and of course we'll cover it all right here and on that note we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as always special thanks to our executive producer Jim Omohundro for Mike Jarecki I'm Craig Riolu we'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2